Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Carson. I'm the Director of Student Ministry Matters, and I am thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the topic of standing firm in this ever-shifting culture. Our students are hit with all sorts of things that, well, to be perfectly honest, I never had to deal with. It's a strange time for many of us. I think about our students who are dealing with a pandemic and then going back from there, just all the weirdness of life. Uh, But before we get to our topic, I want to talk about our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway. Central Baptist College is inspiring, engaging, challenging. It is a place that you want to make sure your students know about. It is a small Christian college that focuses in on a Christ-centered education. And so if your students are trying to figure out what's next after high school, have them check out Central Baptist College at cbc.edu. Now, perhaps you are looking to finish up a degree that you started several years ago, but you're trying to figure out how do I get into it? How do I finish it? Check out their PACE program. And again, you can find that information out at cbc.edu. And speaking of CBC, we're happy to have another graduate of Central Baptist College on our podcast. Jake, we're glad to have you. Oh, excited to be here. Love what you're doing and just excited to have this conversation and definitely love CBC as well. That's where I graduate. We won't say what year, but I did graduate from CBC. Well, Jake, I graduated a lot earlier, so you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Well, our guest today is Jake McCandless. Jake is the Executive Director of Stanford Ministries. They help believers navigate such a time as this. He's also the lead pastor of Epic Church, Northwest Arkansas and Springdale, Arkansas. He is a multi-award winning author with a BA in Bible from Central Baptist College. And it has an advanced Master's of Divinity from Southwestern Theological Seminary. He's now a regular contributor for Israel, Islam, and the End Times, and Armageddon News. He's authored books such as the award-winning Spiritual Prepper from WND Books, multi-devotional books, and he's authored the groundbreaking children's book, Jesus and His White Horse from Crosslink Publishing. And I got to say, I really like that one. The art is fantastic, especially for a children's book. It's something you want to check out. Now, through Stand Firm, he's leading an initiative to help parents help their children develop a faith that lasts. Uh, parenting blogs are up, upcoming podcast, Stand Firm Parents, which drops in January. Now, all of his content can be found at StandFirmMinistries.com. Again, Jake, we are thrilled to have you here. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it, I just love this topic to be able to talk about the work that we've been doing the past several years with Stand Firm and then how we're, because we're, we're ourselves are trying to turn it to help parents, again, build a faith that lasts in their kids, come alongside churches. So I feel like we get to talk about that today. So I'm excited to, to do that. One of the biggest things that we have neglected over the years in student ministry is connecting parents 
with their children and with their faith and making sure that parents are the primary disciple maker in that student's life. And we have, to me, we have failed uh, more often than we have not in that area. And so this is an important thing for us to talk about, integrating these concepts and helping our students stand firm. Now, Jake and I serve together on the board of the Association of Baptist Students at the University of Arkansas but haven't really had a chance to sit down and talk until just recently at the Recharge Conference when we ate at Rodeo Goat in Dallas. Strange name, but it was great food. What did you have there, Jake? Oh, in- incredible. I-, I, can't even, I don't even know. I don't remember because we looked at everything <laughs> on the menu. It was great. All these different burgers, and I can't remember. I know I went naked. I went with no bun. You could go naked on the uh, burger with no bun. No, I can't remember. Oh, I went with like the ranch house. That's what it was. That ranch was house. it. That was it. Yeah, so maybe Rodeo Goat will pick you up as that a sponsor. That would be great. Maybe that would be phenomenal doing yeah. shows live from there. I mean, wouldn't that be incredible? It would. I had the Chupacabra, which I just like the name. It was a little on the spa- uh, spicy side. It had the green hatch chilies, among other things. Um, but we had a great time. Jake is a fascinating guy, and we could talk about a lot of different things on this podcast today. But again, we're going to focus on helping our students stand firm in an ever-shifting culture. But before we get to that, Jake, to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better, uh, would you tell us how you came to know Jesus and and how you ended up in ministry? Yeah, I was blessed to grow up in church. My my parents, uh, solid believers, you know, had me in church. You know, people always say they had me in church every time the doors were open, but. We were there sometimes when they were closed, and because uh, so, starting in junior high throughout high school, my dad thought it'd be a great idea for our family to be the like the custodians at church. And so, uh, you talk about losing hope in humanity, you know, as you're scraping up gum from church floors uh, and, and those things. But but it was it was incredible what it did for me and and, and for my life. But no, and and he did a lot of maintenance work and uh, painting and things at church. So we were all, and he liked to do it at night. And so we would go up there at night, and I'd go up there with him as a kid and be a part of that. Uh, my grandparents, just solid testimonies. And so, I mean, just extremely blessed uh, with that. And so uh, grew up in Central Baptist Church in uh, Ashton, Arkansas, part of our tribe, part of, part of our work. I began to be under conviction in third grade. Uh, I don't know what age that is, but I was on the, I remember on the playground on some type of jungle gym thing. And my friend, Climbs up with me and tells me the night before that he was he was saved and was baptized. And just as soon as he said it, I just felt felt my gut, you know, that conviction. And so that that summer went to Daniel Springs, went to children's camp there, uh, where Donnie Parrish is, is speaking. And I remember he he said that he hoped that the Lord wouldn't let us rest until if we were lost until we were saved. And and I didn't. It was it was a miserable time. <laughs> but I, I was shy, totally shy, dude. Wouldn't do any, wouldn't move, wouldn't make a move. And so I just held my ground. I stood firm on not doing anything. And uh, and so then my birthday's in August. So this was after camp. My pastor calls me, Brother Tommy Guthrie, was was amazing, was blessed to have him yeah, my, my entire yeah. time of, of growing up at in church. And this is a, the phone conversation. He calls and says, happy birthday, Jake. Have you thought about being born again? I mean, like that was it, that <laughs> conversation. And, and my thought was, oh, crud, he knows I'm lost now. And so then it began every time I was at church and there was an invitation I, I, I just you know, grip the pew and I and you know, we we typically go out and you'd shake his hand you know but I would slip out the back slip out the back door anyway that rocked on for three years of just misery under conviction and finally uh, the pastor we had our, our children's choir that met every Thursday they pick us up from school and, and do that I wasn't much on the singing but I liked the punch and cookies uh, brother Neil Dumas uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Reading that, who we got to see at the conference at Recharge Conference, he's leading worship there. Brother Guthrie comes and gets me and and says, "Hey, Jake, are you ready to accept the Lord?" And uh, I get up out of that folding metal chair, walk to his office, kneel down by his couch, and and pray. And you know, he led me through a prayer and those things. But man, I think the salvation was when I I stepped up out of that chair and said, "Okay, Lord, it, it's 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 time." And so that was at age mm-hmm. twelve. Holy Spirit began to work in in some ways uh, there. Uh, rocked rocked along, uh, just. Thankful for my, my youth group and youth pastors who poured into me. We had a youth pastor who just really worked with us on de- developing a time with the Lord, just a, a devotional time. And we would do these these little pamphlets. They're, they're like the Our Daily Bread. I can't remember the name of it, but they were from like Student Discipleship Ministries, I think. Okay. And it was just this little short devotional. And I just began doing that daily. Lord, begin reading the Bible and spending time with the Lord as, as we were being led and in our uh, a youth group. And uh, also he, he introduced us to worship and just became real a vertical sense of, of worship through song. And so God was really beginning to work in that early high school. At the same time, they uh, began a first priority club, which kind of like a FCA, uh, I guess FCA for, for non-athletes, I guess is what it was. <laughs> you know? uh, FCA for nerds. There we go. So I was uh, in, in that involved in the leadership there and so God's using using that, and then it was part of a revival. It was like forty five minutes away. It was this amazing thing. It was like a you know the typical five day, four or five day revival. We go right. on the fourth day of the uh, we go on Tuesday. You know, it's supposed to end on Wednesday, and it extends for another eleven days. And it was a thing where we would leave right after school to go get in line so we could get a seat and get in because oh, wow. it would be filled up. And it just never been a part. I mean, it, you know, almost one of these like great awakening type move of God's. Just was incredible. So all that was in the mix. Of the Lord just getting a hold of my life. And at age 16, I'm, I'm going on a, uh, I hate to admit this, I was going on a quiz bowl trip. So I'm on the short bus, headed on this trip, and I've got my my Walkman jamming to my mixtape out and uh, big old headphones and looking out the window and somewhere between uh, Ace of Bass and uh, Gin Blossoms or something. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I just felt like the Lord just said in my heart, Jake, I want to use you. Didn't know what that, that meant at the time. My dream was to be a professional bass fisherman. So I thought, oh, well, okay, he's going to give me great success in this, and I can have a platform to, to share about him. And just it rocked on for a few few months. And as I said, my family's uh, doing the custodial work, so I'm up at church late at night vacuuming the, the gym, which was carpeted, and uh, just constantly Lord working. And uh, I remember it was a Saturday night, I'm, I'm vacuuming, and it was just like, Lord, I'm I'll do it. I'll, I'll make the move. And the only thing I knew to do was walk the aisle. So pastor gives the invitation. I walk, walk the aisle and say, Hey, I want to just give my life to, to ministry. And he turns around and says, Hey, Jake just has surrendered to preach. You'll preach next Sunday night. I'm like, Whoa, whoa. <laughs> that was not, <laughs> not it. It was just Lord use me. And, uh, you know, and it was this thing like, it was, it was so dumb. I didn't talk to my parents. I, I just walked the aisle. And so it was like this whole real shock. Uh, thing, but so at sixteen, I, I preached my first sermon, and then yeah, I just w- was in it and just continued to to work and uh, and really since then, I mean, it's been a few Sundays I haven't preached, and so it's been an amazing adventure. You know, our church locally here that we've replanted in in Springdale, it's called Epic Church, and I, I just feel like you know that following of Christ and just being obedient to Him, I mean, leads to an epic life, and I, I feel like mm. you know in some small way I've got to experience that. If I under understand correctly, you did have some experience in youth ministry, though. Yes, yes. So, uh, I mean, and it, uh, really, like a huge storm just happening there at age sixteen. That next year, I, uh, which was, I think my my sophomore year, junior year, I don't know, somewhere in there, I uh, began to be the president of that uh, 
first priority club. And so was actually doing leading out ministry on, on school campus, which was mm. incredible. Yeah. Um, my junior year, uh, I, at that time, you know, had already been committed. I was going to go into ministry. So our youth pastor found a spot for me to be a summer intern, got to do that. And then went to Central Baptist College and it's crazy. I went to, went to CBC, not realizing as a, a pastor, you probably needed to learn something or be trained. I just, just was wanting to share the word, you know, share with somebody. And so my whole idea was of I'll be here until the Lord opens up a door. Well, fortunately, he took long enough to open up the door for me to see, hey, it, it, Matt, you do need to learn some things. Uh, but yeah, I <laughs> uh, started the uh, summer of my, my freshman year of college as full-time youth pastor in uh, Landmark Baptist in England, which I think a lot of a lot of guys uh, throughout uh, our work, is, our tribe has uh, been a part of, of that. Yeah. Uh, did that for a couple of years. It was amazing. Lived in the church parking lot in a camper trailer, uh, which is a whole other group of, of stories and that. But amazing time. At the same time, I was doing a youth evangelism, and we're doing youth crusades. And uh, I would speak. Uh, we traveled with a band and uh, and a, uh, a comedian. All all were high school, college students uh, doing youth re- revivals and rallies, which was incredible. And so we did that from '99 to '05. We did that, and I was in youth ministry for about ten years. And uh, the the last the place where I was last, uh, which really cool. So I, I was full time in, in England. I was full time. And uh, went back to Ashdown, my hometown, and then uh, had the opportunity to come on staff at Second Baptist Church in uh, Conway. Very large youth ministry at the time. We were sending yeah, over 500 yeah. students a, a month. And to come on and be an uh, assistant with that, which just learned a, a lot from there. And then from there, went to uh, Mount Vernon, Arkansas, uh, population 199 in the uh, from <laughs> 7th grade to 12th grade. There's 200, 250 students. And uh, they, they asked me to come out in view of a call. This was not on my radar at that time, they had so many children in their WANA program and youth meeting at the same time. The youth were off campus in a guy's barn, now a nice barn, but a metal building, a right. uh, hundred foot metal building that he had taken his equipment, moved to the back half. And that, that, bought, that one half was just for students. I walk in and they had over 70 students, no youth pastor, no nothing, just over 70 students there uh, meeting in a barn. Uh, just, just incredible. And uh, just like the Lord's in this. And so we were there for, for three years and then I became pastor there. Began to walk real closely with the youth youth pastors there and stay connected uh, in a lot of ways. But it was just incredible. During that time, we had over 98% of that school uh, to come through our doors. Um, it, it just incredible uh, experience youth-wise. Uh, so yeah, but you know, I am a I am now that old pastor that's uh, rem- <laughs> removed from that. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, loved Love the aspect of, of youth ministry. You know, I, I call call you guys recovering youth pastors. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and guys like me are just dumb enough to keep going. You know, it's <laughs> so. I mean, I've kept the youth pastor hair. That's that's the, that's that's the one thing that I've been able to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I have well, a gray fohawk, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite bold enough or brave enough to do anything <laughs> like that, but um, man, it it is good to know uh, a little bit more about that background because you know a, as we speak on this subject, Jake isn't just coming from this uh, ivory tower, this place of being outside of student ministry. He's been there. He's seen students deal with some of these issues that we're going to talk about. You know, our culture has shifted in big ways over these last 40 years. Um, you know, I, I say that because I put myself in that category, thinking all the way back to even um, being at home on the day that the Challenger space shuttle exploded. 
and being at home watching that. So I know that dates me. I, I really do. Yeah, I'm um, not going to tell you where I was <laughs> at that time. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, I, I look at that and I'm thinking, wow, okay. And then the other things that have come along during that period, I think about seeing the internet come on in a big way. I think about the attacks of 9-11 and the Twin Towers falling. I think about seeing the advent of the iPhone. And we've all just experienced the craziness of this pandemic over this past year and a half and two years. And who knows how long we're, I mean, we're still dealing with it. And so students over these years, those are just some of the cultural things that have big hits but there's a lot of things going on within that's happening during that time. You know, our students are facing things now that, that we never had to even consider. Some might say that we are more enlightened as, as a society. Uh, that's not exactly the conclusion <laughs> that I come to. Uh, so let me ask you this question, Jake. What are some of the shifts in our culture? Now, those are cultural moments, but what are some of the shifts in culture that you have seen that make it hard for students to stand firm in their faith? You know, thinking through this quite a bit, and I, you know, I know we're going to get into just talking about how can we help them stand firm. And I think it it goes deeper than just the cultural change. I think a lot of it is it's just how we've done church and and how we've mm. presented Christianity and the gospel uh, to them and how that's lived out. I, I think that ultimately, beyond any of the cultural shifts that we've had, uh, that that's it. Now, I, I will say, I think the biggest one is how we just accept truth. Uh, you know, I know it's been talked about. Uh, a lot. One of the uh, philosophy of religion uh, professors I had in uh, in seminary uh, wrote a book, our uh, workbook, uh, where he divided human history into basically three phases. Uh, he called it pre-modernity, uh, which ran until you know, creation, till uh, the Enlightenment period, in mm. which he said people found their truth from beyond. You know, it was was transcendent and it came, you know, was objective and was transcendent. It came from a God or gods, you know, regardless if, if somebody, you know, we're talking about Christians or anything, truth came from beyond yourself. Enlightenment, the enlightenment time uh, shifted that and changed it to we're dealing with truth in terms of coming from science and coming from the community, but it still came from beyond yourself. Uh, he called that the modernity period and then called when we get postmodern, but postmodernity, where we talk about from 1950 on, uh, we're, we're dealing with truth then becomes to the individual. And I think that's a, uh, you know, the biggest shift there is that we find truth, we find value, we find meaning now up to us. And now that's, that's going on for years. I remember when I was starting in youth ministry, early 2000s, and uh, Josh McDowell had a, a campaign called Beyond Belief, where he talked about, mm. uh, you know, uh, challenging, you know, objective truth versus relative truth. So I think that's probably the big underlying uh, challenge that just permeates everything. Uh, I think that that's huge. And then beginning with just the internet, social media, cell phones, I, I can't imagine. So I, I remember pretty much before, as I started pastoring, I was wrapping up that my time in youth ministry, they're the same, same church. I remember uh, a student were teaching me to text <laughs> you know, yeah. and and so I, I mean, was there, and, and then fast forward, you know, to social media, to the the fact that you have access to, you know, every student has access to the internet and all that that entails. They have access to one another. I mean, to me, I I don't know. How, I mean, the the statistics were terrible on the impact we were making on students then, and I don't know how any impact's being made now. To just to be be honest, I'm amazed that we can yeah. make any impact 
with that. We talked, you know, I, I remember looking at numbers in 2000 of, you know, the amount of time uh, students with friends versus parents and versus, uh, you know, uh, youth ministry and how much it, we, they were peer influenced. And now you have access 24 uh, seven to friends. And I, I think of, I heard a pastor recently talk, was talking about, somebody asked him, they said, well, pastor, we, we hear all the time that the struggles that people have with sin and those problems have always been here. And the, the pastor says, says, yeah, that, that's, that's true. Temptation's always been here. But he said, the things that I'm talking to on a daily basis that I'm counseling about was not even possible to do 10 years ago. And so it's, it's yes, it's the same old sins and same old temptations, uh, but at the same time, the access and the technology to, to that's available to do those things has accelerated. So, you know, I think the, the truth aspect permeates a lot of it. Uh, I think we're just going to continually have a challenge uh, with the access that, that they have to social media and the other challenges with that and internet and those things. But still, ultimately, I think it's in how we presented presented Christianity and how we've expressed it uh, over the last few decades that's really had the, the greatest impact on, on students not standing firm. And I appreciate you sharing that because I hadn't thought a great deal. I mean, I've been looking at the more or less the ramifications of what you just described, the shift from looking to beyond for truth, looking to science for truth, and now we're looking inward and how that impacts us. So the result are things like questions about gender, questions about morality, questions, I mean, things that we feel like the Bible is very clear on, but if we're not looking to the Bible for answers, if we're not looking to something beyond or even looking to science and we're still looking to that truth within, then we've got a big problem. It's going to, it's going to shift even more. It's like building a house on the sand. It's just, it's going to spread out and we're going to have all sorts of issues. It, what's amazing is is that philosophy of where of, of truth being the individual came out of really communications class and in, in the ivory tower and it came out of the the idea of who has control of the truth is it the speaker mm. is it the author or is it the audience and you know as I said so it's always been in past history it's been the speaker it's been the author it's been the one right. who wrote it. And then this shift beginning in, in 1950s and, you know, philosophy and those things, but it's trickled down to just everyday life now that it, it's the it's the audience uh, who now holds the truth. And with that, you know, nothing's sacred, nothing, you know, it, everything's challenged. And so I think underlying everything is that. Uh, but again, I, I really think it comes back to just how we've presented Christianity. Well, and and you cannot dismiss, you, and you mentioned it, the impact of the iPhone, the cell phone, the smartphone, yeah, uh, yeah. the ability to have technology, not just technology, but having answers to everything. Hey, Siri, tell me. Or, hey, Alexa, tell me. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how often we do that in our house, but it's way more than I, I'd like to admit. So, <laughs> And the access to peers. You know, I remember yes. uh, it, you know, dating in high school, and I, I would call – Call a girl's house, and uh, you'd have to talk to a parent or the the brother or yeah. sister asking if, <laughs> if she was there. You know, had to had to go through all this, and now the direct access you have to peers, and you're really bypassing parents a, a lot of ways. And I mean, in just twenty four seven of that, uh, just incredible. And, and you, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this, just but the impact that you know, social media screen time is having on on depression and anxiety and, and yeah. all those things. Yeah. I mean, that's things that they're facing. You know, but and 
we can look at that and say, well, that needs to change and all that. That's just where we're at. And so we've got to deal with, you know, helping students navigate those waters, navigate those things. And that's it. That's that's what we want to do today is just maybe line out a few things that you could suggest, Jake, um, on how we can help our students stand firm in this ever-shifting culture. And so let's let's just begin there, Jake. What what do you recommend as for us as student ministry workers? What can we do for our students? Yeah, give them a bigger story. Give them ah. a bigger story with truth. Give them a bigger story with with life. And so I've been on this journey since 2012 of encouraging people to stand firm. I got yeah. completely convicted by Matthew 24:10, uh, which is which is prophecy, which says that many will turn away. And so I'm as pastor, I'm looking out at my congregation and with this, with this filter of this verse saying, hey, if this, if this was to happen right now, if this is where we're at, the majority of who I'm seeing, these professed believers, are going to turn away from the faith. Uh, and then I just begin realizing about every conversation I had during the day was someone who had walked away. And statistically, and statistically in 09, uh, from Barna Research, they were saying 35 million uh, professed believers had walked away from church, and we know oftentimes the faith. Then I, I started writing about that in my book, Spiritual Prepper. By 2015, uh, it was 42 million, and I've had a, which is 14 percent of the the entire American population, wow. which amazingly is the is the same percentage as the African American population. So just just give some context there of you know the amount of people that we pass who have professed Christ but yet have walked away from church, and again often the faith. I've seen numbers, and it's been hard to just nail down. Uh, I, I really can go back to the Barnes research with that uh, mixed sure. with census, but now it, it seems to be possibly as high as 67, and that was pre-COVID, a uh, 67, 67 million with that. Well, then you take, and when I was doing youth ministry, I had two. This is back when you really cut and paste. You know, I had two, <laughs> uh, two uh, article yep. uh, pieces from a magazine that I, I cut out and I put my my preaching. Uh, a notebook that I had. Uh, one was the, the the percentage of of children receiving salvation happening be- before uh, high school, uh, before they graduate, before eighteen. And I think it was like ninety percent of that uh, was the number or something of amount. If if you most people trust Christ that that age group, and so that was motivating me. The other one was it was a, a statistic from Lifeway Research that said seventy uh, percent between of Christian children Christians. Children and teens raised in, in church age or leave the church by age 18 to 22 and at that time not coming back. Uh, and actually, I think the number that I had then was 88 uh, percent. And that was early 2000s. Lifeway Research then said, I think it was in 07, uh, it went down to 70 percent. The most recent numbers is 66 percent, which is, is still a tremendous amount of our students leaving the faith. Now, you'll find articles out there. I've seen Ed Stetzer put out a couple articles where he says it's not as bad as we think. It's not as many leaving the faith as we think. But I think every one of you in youth ministry, you know, as we, if we just do the eye test, what have we seen? I mean, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it. I, I, I struggle to say 66% is accurate from what I've seen uh, with, with my own eyes. You know, I just began going, I'm speaking at churches, talking about people leaving the faith, and I just, you know, and you know, say, hey, all of us, many people are leaving. Things are just going to get more difficult. And of course, our, the next generation is, is leaving worse than anybody. Uh, so we finally decided, let's try to do something positive uh, with this. And so we started an initiative for parents, and not just parents, but just anybody who works with with children and teens to help them have a faith that lasts. And so the, 
the question then becomes, well, what's the difference? How do you, how do you make the, what, what do you do? Right. And right. Uh, the thing I keep coming back to is create a bigger story. And I, I'm stealing this uh, from Donald Miller, who's, who's my absolute favorite uh, Christian author, probably many recognize his book, Blue Like Jazz. Uh, but just, and I can't say his books blow me away, but just, I lo- love his writing style. But he, he had a uh, book and it was uh, something about miles, like walked a million miles or something like that. But in it, he tells a story of this, of a friend who was a dad and that friend came to him and, and was greatly concerned about where his daughter was going. And that, that daughter was dat- dating the wrong guy, heading down the road with the wrong crowd, getting in trouble at school, getting in trouble at home. And this dad asked, Donald, he, he said, man, what should I do? And Donald said, you need to give her a bigger story. And he said, the story that you're getting, because in a response to her behavior, the dad was pushing her in church more. And so church was presented as this boring moral fix uh, versus a bigger story. And so the, the, the father began thinking about that. And so on the way home from that conversation they had over coffee, he goes and signs the family up to uh, build an orphanage in, in some foreign country. He comes home, didn't hadn't talked to the wife or anything and just presents to the family. Hey, instead of family vacation this year, we're going to build this orphanage. We're going to raise the money. And everybody's hacked off fast, fast forward a, a few months down the road. The family has engaged in fundraising. They've been there. They, they're doing that work. Then the daughter herself drops the boyfriend, changes her behavior because she had something to live for. And I think that's really the, the, the key here. Part of our ministry was stand firm we focus on, we connect a lot with the persecuted church and uh, and then the struggle facing in the Middle East. And so during the time ISIS was rolling through the Middle East, I, I read an article that was talking about these girls, young girls from Kentucky who were sneaking out of the country to go marry these ISIS fighters. And it just sounded absolutely crazy. But they were wanting, they were seeing that these ISIS fighters were living for something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really yeah. think that's the key. Let's give them a bigger story. Let's get them engaged in it. Number one, as parents, we need to live a bigger story, uh, but we need to get them engaged in, in that. But then I think also a bigger story in, of truth too, because if you think about, we only teach parts of the Bible to our students. That's You mentioned our children's book, Jesus and the White Horse. We wrote this because we don't tell our kids the end. You know, We tell, tell them about Jesus in the manger, Jesus walking on the water, Jesus on the donkey, yeah. Jesus on the cross, and, and the empty tomb. But we don't say anything about him coming back and, and really feel like— and, and I've seen this. I had the opportunity to, to preach a revival, to do this through, through Stand Firm. It's, it's this crazy mix of, of a, a, a prophecy talk and revival preaching in, in a mix over a revival. <laughs> and, uh, of course— I was at, at this church, I won't, I won't say where, but here in Arkansas, and uh, the, the pastor says, hey, Jake, I've got this great idea. How about we make that last night youth night? You know, we'll get them some pizza. It'll be a youth night, and uh, you, you, know, you can preach. And, you know, so he has them all come up to the front row, and I'm just, I wanted to go down and whisper to him, guys, it wasn't my idea, you know, that you guys sit and listen to me. <laughs> and uh, so that night I preached on uh, a message called Heaven's Better Than We Can Imagine and uh, talked about uh, the tangible aspects of, of the millennial kingdom. When, when Jesus returns and the resurrected and raptured saints return, when we return with them and he, he comes back to earth to save the day and establishes his kingdom, revelation 20. And I, sh- I shared the, these details. Well, after the service, I have this, this uh, student, 17 year old come up to me. He was a star athlete in town. He didn't even know why he was there that night. Uh, but he catches me and says, Jake, I want to, I want to thank you. He said, tonight was the first night that Christianity became real to me. He said, I, I grew up mm. in church. 
I, I made a profession of faith, but I decided a couple of years ago that it just wasn't anything to it. It wasn't worth it. And he said, tonight, seeing that it, it it's worth it. And, and you know, I, I was totally not expecting any impact on, on these students there. But so I think those two aspects of putting them in a bigger story to live out and then a bigger story of, of truth. I mean, I think there's some other things you can add in the mix. And just to add some more research to this, Barna Research Group also did a multiple uh, studies of why is you know this next generation leaving. Right. And reason number one, churches are overprotected. That churches, I uh, said, much of the experience of, Christ, of Christian children and teens makes Christianity feel stifling, fear-based, and risk-adverse. And, and number two, teens and 20-somethings experience that Christianity is shallow. Both of them is crying out, give me a bigger story. And we have the biggest story. It's we worthy do. of our lives. And we so do. I really think if you can get them in the bigger story, uh, that's, that's, I think, a game changer. That is at the heart of, um, of what we need to do. So let me ask, Jake, what are some practical things, two or three practical things that we can do as student ministry workers to, to point them towards this bigger story? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just I want to share just some practical things that, that we've done before coming to this conclusion that I saw personally as pastor yeah. and youth pastor. We we saw an increase of our students staying after graduation, and it was a few factors there. One of the factors was is we connected them to more adults than just the youth pastor, and we we started. I okay. uh, went through a Jesus focused youth ministry, which is probably completely outdated now. Uh, and so we, we started, uh, we had small groups for every, so seventh grade boys had a small group, seventh grade girls and, and so on. And those small group leaders would stay with them from seventh grade to 12th grade. Oh, and wow. so it, it, they were connected to more than one adult. That made a huge difference. We had a class for them. We had a college age class, uh, which amazingly was taught for 10 years with nobody, but we had teachers in place. And finally, as we had students stay and they had a place to go and then it began to grow from there. So I mean, that was a, a huge factor. And then get, getting them involved in, in leadership as well. But then also we divide, what really helped the most was to keeping them late high school was is dividing our youth group and having a, a, a junior high basically service and high school. And, and we weren't a big enough church to do that, but we felt like by doing that, we were saying to our high schoolers, you're important, you're, you're, you're vital. And so hmm. there's some practical things that we did. And I think some of that, just some of that just gave them a little bit of a bigger story as look back on it. Practical, how do we give them a bigger story? I think as families, uh, we need to engage in, a, in missions as families, that we need to take yeah. on a mission. Uh, and as, as student ministries, and you're already doing this, you know, getting them on the mission field, we know that makes a, a, a big difference. Then talking about it, just keeping that mission in front of them, talking about it as an opportunity, not so much as as just Hey, you're a Christian. You've got to do this, but you know, as an opportunity that you, you have to do that. You know, I, th- I think that I think probably the, the biggest thing we can do, and we're we're doing that at the same, you know, but at the same time, we, we need to make it all encompassing, giving them that bigger story. With that, it's something that uh, I mean, just uh, just yesterday uh, had had a conversation that we're going to try as a family. We've got younger kids to try to do a family mission trip and in, in, in lieu of a vacation next next year. And, and hopefully if we, we do that, we're going to keep praying for that ministry and keep that before us. Mm. And then I think also within our teaching uh, that we need to teach the whole story. And yeah. we, we yeah. have five elements that we focus on that are being missed. And that's the, the end times. And we're telling the end of the story, our relationship with Israel, which I think gives ties in the old Testament, the new Testament uh, and the future, the unseen 
element coming, uh, angels, demons, all that running th- its course throughout the Bible, and the spiritual warfare in a realistic term that it's you know a reality we face. But then, and th- then the big one is Jesus said, "Follow me." And Christianity is not. I mean, we say it all the time. It's not a spectator sport. You know, it's it's getting involved, but just really keeping that in the, in the forefront. So, I, I think if we can get them engaged in in missions. And, and really, I think also backing off from, you know, I, I love creativity within youth ministry. That's my, one of my favorite things to get to do yeah, uh, yeah. within youth ministry and and games and activities and, and those things. And, and it definitely, you know, has a, its place. But don't be afraid to give them the big truth. Don't be afraid to challenge them. When I look back at, at what, what seemed to be more the more successful youth ministry we had, uh, we had a large group, but I wish I would go back and I would have focused on just pouring into a few and equipping them to then reach out to their peers. Again, making that, that bigger story. I think there would have been more longevity in uh, the impact on those students and the impact on that ministry. Well, and the other side of you mentioned teaching, uh, you know, we're we're often afraid of giving students the hard truths of scripture. But I mean, our students are dealing with Physics, calculus, uh, biology. I mean, they're 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 dealing with concepts that are deep and that are hard at times. Let's give them deep theology. I mean, why not let them struggle with it, especially in a safe place like the local body of believers? It's a fantastic thing. Yeah, and and along that lines, yeah. I mean, th- the stories that they already read and watch in movies. I mean, they're they're the same type of story we have within Scripture, yeah. and so being a, a, afraid of that, I, I will say I, I think it's important to just that they just see it in the text. Uh, that's something that we're doing mm. uh, locally in our church. We're, we're doing the Discovery Bible Study model, which just basically is just read the text. You answer a few basic questions from that, but it's all just completely text driven. And one of the things we heard from uh, someone who was unchurched who, who came and, and younger is they said that. They appreciated the fact that they weren't having to take our word for it, that we were that they could just go to the word and it was there, yeah. Yeah. which ties into a, another uh, ministry that I've, I've ran across. And so uh, part of what we did with Stand Firm, we were looking at ministries across the country that are helping people come back. And we only found a few. Uh, we found one a gentleman named David Sanford, who was out of Portland, uh, who his ministry was just having coffee and hearing people's story, letting them share their stories. Mm-hmm. And pretty much once they shared their story, they just needed somebody to listen uh, but another one was out of Philadelphia, and they had a, uh, it was called Reimagine Faith. And what they were doing was was taking high school grad, you know, people who are out of youth group, maybe college age, that young adult age, and just giving them a space to come in and just lay out the toughest question they had. And most of those questions are not theological. The, the questions are, are just basically how it fits in with, with culture and politics and, and right, those things, right. things that they were afraid to ask. And what they had found is they felt like a, a lot of the students that were leave the faith just because they felt like they couldn't ask these questions. If we were presenting them a, a big, big story, we also need to present them a big God who has broad shoulders, who can handle whatever we lay out there and, and trust that the truth and the spirit is going to win out. And uh, what they, they found is once they gave students, you know, gave these young adults a space to just say, Hey, I don't get this. Why does the church say it like this? And to say it and be heard, that was pretty much resolved itself from there that they, mm-hmm. they saw that the faith could be, you know, fit in real life, that it wasn't just uh, something that's forced. And because all of our students are, you know, no matter how well we teach and what we, we put into them, they've got to wrestle with the faith themselves at some point. And I, I think we've got to 
you know, we can't just force it down their, their throats. We've, we've got to put it up against the, the challenges of the world and let it speak for itself and let it win out itself. Well, we serve a big God and it's a big story. Well, Jake, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you to learn more about your book, Spiritual Preppers, or um, your children's book, Jesus and the White Horse, or maybe have you speak to their group, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, StanfordMinistries.com. Uh, there, uh, we, you have an opportunity to invite this form there and that goes, goes straight to me. Uh, we also have a, a bookstore there that you can get to. And we also have content. Uh, we have a, a parent's blog, uh, right now that's up there at the, on the site. And we have uh, dropping again, as it was mentioned in the first of the year is a, a podcast for parents. And it, it's just focused on this mission of how can we develop a faith that lasts, but all of that, uh, the hub will be at StanfordMinistries.com. And we'll have a link to that in our show notes. Well, thanks again for being on the podcast with us today, Jake. Incredible. Thank you for the opportunity. And I really hope that just as leaders, as youth pastors, as as parents, that we don't just think about the now, that we think about the future. My first youth Mm, group were the first first guys to and women to march into Iraq in the early 2000s, first to go into Afghanistan. I didn't know that was coming. And I look back at just some of the things that focused on then and there. I wish I thought more about what they were going to face next. And so I encourage us, let's, let's think about preparing along with equipping them now. Well, listeners, thank you for taking time to join us. Our culture is crazy right now, but we can help our students stand firm. And we want to do just that because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.